You are listening to Castles and Cryptids, where the castles are haunted and the cryptids are cryptic AF. And (laughs) I am AP, as in Alana. Sometimes I get called AP at work. (laughs) Do you? Yeah, it did start at the last office, and then um, my new supervisor likes to call people by their initials, too. But also, there already was an AP, so sometimes I'm AP the second. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. AP2. Yes, or actually, sometimes it's AP2.0, which at first I was like, whoa. (laughs) You're making me sound like I'm a better version, which is a lot of pressure here. You're the upgrade. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) This is my illustrious co-host, Kelsey, because I talked over her introduction. (laughs) But that's okay, because I... I hate uh, my stilted intros anyway. (laughs) Um, Okay, I did pull up a fun fact, like I said, that was kind of weird that I read this week. Oh, okay. And, yeah, I wanted to share it with you. I don't know if you've heard this. Um, It was about a man who survived 18 hours at sea by clinging to a football. Oh my god. No. Like Castaway says the actual article, which is exactly how I thought of it. <laughs> oh. Yes. Um, this news source said that a bloke managed to survive 18 hours adrift at sea by holding onto a ball that had been left behind by boys at a beach 80 miles away. Wow. Was the it incredible? Well, sorry. Is it a football like an american football or a european football Uh, like a soccer ball because they just said bloke so it might be a soccer ball it it resembles it resembles more of a soccer ball in the picture i'm seeing although it's a very brightly colored one (laughs) Hmm, okay because i'm like i don't think a football would be able to hold a person up and then it was like a soccer ball yes because i've tried to put a soccer ball underwater and i couldn't do it yes like when you're at the pool and you like just push the balls down until they fly up out of the water (laughs) yeah that's so right because i kept picturing a a tiny football yeah and it's like partially deflated i think (laughs) yeah it's probably the the soccer ball (laughs) makes sense um but it was this tourist uh by the name of ivan and he was in Greece, off the coast of uh, Cassandra, it says, and then was just swept out to sea, unfortunately. And he wow. was with his friends. Yeah. And it said they were, like, raising the alarm with the Coast Guard and looking for him. But he just kept getting swept farther out until apparently he was lost and, like, declared lost at sea. Oh, my God. I know. So it says, like, somewhat miraculously, the 30-year-old was saved when a small ball floated towards him. The ball had been lost 30th of June on Evgatis Beach on the Greek island of Lemnos by brothers Trifon, 11, and 6-year-old Thanos! (laughs) Oh, God, no! (laughs) Where it was swept away by the tide! Sorry, I was not prepared for that. I'm cold reading this particular article, <laughs> although I, I had heard of it, but it wasn't this detail. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fast forward 10 days and the ball made its way past Ivan, who was able to grab hold of it and soon discovered that it helped him stay afloat when he started to feel tired. Oh. Um, 
Jeez. Plucked from the water on the 10th of July after a whopping 18 hours at sea, and he was found still clutching the ball. Wow. Mm. It saved his life. That's insane. That's so crazy. That's your, yeah, what did he call it? Wilson in the yeah. castaway. Wilson! <laughs> it definitely, yeah, wow. it doesn't look like a white black soccer ball to me. It's got, it, does like it red have red and blue. Oh, it might be you know. more of a, like, they have different ones for volleyball, and then they have, like, the rugby ball is, like, kind of a variation of the football. Um, oh. But there's different it's... soccer balls. I was actually just trying to save it to show it to you on the drive. Oh. I don't know. It does look very, it does look very much like a small soccer ball i think i would say but anyway it was oh it yeah was pretty incredible <laughs> yeah it it's smaller than like the standard like american soccer ball yeah but... i would say it's narrower or something yeah but it's wow. so crazy i was like that's pretty that's pretty good some, some good news for once yeah <laughs> Oh, too funny. So today we are talking about actually some Ukrainian folklore. Yes. So that, um, yeah, I think was a really interesting thing to pick right now. And we wanted to highlight them. And um, this comes out on the 22nd, which is actually the day before my daughter's birthday. And mm -hmm. I asked her if she had a favorite cryptid, but she did not. So we <laughs> picked something else. <laughs> oh. Right? Because <laughs> I remember asking if she wanted us to do something, some favorite cryptid for her birthday. But, um, uh. but yeah. And then we just, we kind of decided on this and was like, yeah, that'd be a nice way to like highlight the, the country and some of their folklore and stuff and yeah just some positive things we can talk about with poor ukraine right now <laughs> and hopefully in the future if people are listening to this it's like no that that resolved quickly and peacefully <laughs> and it yeah. cannot be a point anymore i i just feel bad when i was looking some stuff up because i didn't really understand the war so i was trying to look up a few things and it was like discovering that they hadn't even been that independent from like the Soviet Union for that many years and right so it just seems like such a dick move to be like yeah yeah you were the great USSR and whatever but then you became other different countries and then mm -hmm. that's the way it was for a while and you don't really have a right to to try and undo the past like that yeah. just because you think it should be a different way it's definitely seemed like there was more and more turmoil since about like 2014 or so more things happening okay and yeah it's unfortunate it's gotten to the point where it is today yeah yeah there's basically one person responsible for that yeah Ugh. Ugh. I actually listened to a podcast today with um, uh, Talk is Jericho, and he had on Jesse Ventura. He was a wrestler, and then he was also the um, 
he was the governor of Minnesota for a while. Like he, mm-hmm. he's done a few things, and he mentioned how he had a show that was, I think it was on some Russian TV network that it was produced by, and so he's like, I met Putin, and he's like, he was, he's like, I'm trying to reconcile the guy I met with who this person seems to be doing all this stuff. He's like, because he walked across the room to me, said hi, called me by my name, said hi, governor, whatever. Like, he apparently was very respectful and, like, whatever, and then gave them free reign to do whatever they wanted on the TV show. And so he obviously had had a little, like, respect for this man that now he's, like, trying to understand how he could just you know, basically, I don't know, turn into a Hitler or something where you're like yeah. going to totally up, uh, upset the the political rest of the world just because you're power hungry, greedy, you're having a dick swinging contest. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You feel like it's owed to Mother Russia? I'm not too sure. I can't speak for his motivations, <laughs> but I used to kind of think he was cool too because like I heard he like wrestled with tigers or one video shows him like playing uh there's this old techno song um <laughs> sandstorm by Darude okay. and he's playing it on the piano like but on the piano wow i don't know i'm like oh he's kind of cool but then i'm like oh you're kind of a dick yeah i always think of just pictures of well, all the means, I guess, of him riding, like, a bear or, like, gonna be right? wrestling or boxing a bear and stuff like that. He's, like, yeah, the epitome of, like, Russian toughness. <laughs> yeah. He always seems to be shirtless. I don't know. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Oh, my God. But we weren't... Yeah, although there's some overlap in their cultures, we were more trying to highlight, obviously, the, the Ukrainians. Yeah. Yeah. In our tales today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the stories are super, super long, too. So, obviously, we weren't able to include any of those. Just for the fact, some of them had said it took, like, half an hour to read. So, we'd only be able to share one of them. Uh, yes. But there's so many good ones. Yeah. Maybe Patreon segment. <laughs> yeah, we can. Yeah revisit it for sure yeah Uh, i have one i would put there (laughs) yeah yeah my first little thing i have is one i actually ran across i tried looking it up separately and i couldn't get any more information about it so this is just what was posted on reddit by one of the users when somebody had asked kind of what was some stories or uh, different things about ukraine and Ooh, hell yeah reddit to the rescue yeah <laughs> sometimes so, it's a wonderful blending of minds <laughs> yeah other times it's a shit show i mean it's social media <laughs> yeah they also recommended this book uh but it was still it wasn't translated into english at all and they had posted a picture of the table table of contents and i also couldn't read that so <laughs> I wasn't able to research anything. So I just basically copied their little post that they said. Um, so this was from okay. Ira Sergey on Reddit. And she talks about 
the Chagaster or Chagaster. Ooh, okay. I don't know if you talk about him at all. This was just like a little story uh, that's basically mm-hmm. her summary about one of the fairy tales. I tried to find this fairy tale and I couldn't. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So he's a friendly mountain spirit and this is just copied from her post on Reddit again. So he hangs out with shepherds and one of the stories about him is about a lady who wished for children and she challenges the Chagaister to a dance off and which is great. <laughs> and no. <laughs> even though she didn't win, she impressed him enough that he offered to fulfill her wish. He warned her that she would have twin girls, but they would they would be worth nothing without each other. And Aww. yeah, the lady was happy with that. And one girl was born without hands, and the other was blind. But the lady and her husband didn't give up and brought up their daughters with love. The girls ended up being brilliant because they always helped each other. The one who Aww. could see... Yeah! The one who could <laughs> see but couldn't do explained everything to her sister that had hands but was talented and was talented with them. Uh, these girls... Oh my god, rep- Kelsey! <laughs> That's literally what... Almost what happens to the little girls in the little house in the prairie books. Is it? <laughs> Which I'm... No, but sort of. <laughs> oh, wow. I've just been rereading them. I've been reading them since I was a child, and our mom read them to us. Um, and, well, Laura Ingalls, her sister Mary, goes blind, and so she basically has mm. to, from Scarlet Fever, yeah, at a pretty yeah. young age, so she has to describe everything to her. But they work really well together, and so that's the part yeah. that's very Aww. similar. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, crazy. Yeah, so one's born without hands and the other one's blind. Um, so they help each other. And it continues saying those girls represented mental labor and physical labor, labor and that one is always oh. worthless without the other. Um, wow. So that was, those I wish I could have. deep lessons. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have found this little story that she just summarized because it would have been nice, but I couldn't find it at all. Hmm. I mean, some of the ones I read were, I was like, that's so cool. But also, what is just the gist of it? Because that was really right. long. Like, there was yeah. one I had to just cut out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I had that too. A lot of them I read and I, I would get like, to the end, I'd be like, wait, that's the ending? I'd be like, what was this even about? I'm like, I'm so <laughs> confused right now. <laughs> Uh, but, like, probably not for the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so all the... I think I have three... One, oh, I have four stories. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, they're from this one book. Let me see if I can find the name of the book. Uh, the Cossack Fairy Tales. Um, oh, yes. C- c- oh, hang on. I think it's Cossack. Cossack? Okay. I believe so. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I think I've heard this out loud before. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the main, I guess the person who translated it into English uh, was named Robert Nisbet Bain. 
and he was born in 1854 and died in 1909. So he translated this a really long time ago. And right. Yeah, he was a historian and linguist who became interested in folklore uh, around the world following his extensive language studies. He could speak uh, pretty well over 20 languages and Ooh. yeah uh this skill earned him a job at the british museum and then allowed him to translate books of folklore from around the world and if i remember correctly he also worked in like the webster's dictionary um, oh wow yeah He's cozy with miriam and webster yeah. <laughs> uh, now we start a whole bunch of reading <laughs> <laughs> noise um so the first like fairy tale basically from the book i wanted to share is called the voices at the window Ooh, yeah i don't know if i'm creeped out or just straight intrigued <laughs> uh so it says a nobleman went hunting one autumn and with him went a goodly train of huntsmen all day long they hunted and hunted, and at the end of the day they had caught nothing. At last, dark night overtook them. It had now grown bitterly cold, and the rain began to fall heavily. The nobleman was wet to the skin, and his teeth chattered. He, hmm. rub yeah. he rubbed his hands together and cried, Oh, had we but a warm hut, and a white bed, and soft bread, and sour kvass, which is a drink, uh, okay. we should, yeah, we should have not to complain of, but would tell tales and feign fables till dawn of day. And immediately there shone a light in the depths of the forest. They hastened upon it, and lo, there was a hut. They entered, and on the table lay bread and a jug of kvass. And the hut was warm, and the bed therein was white, everything just as the nobleman had desired it so they all entered after him and said grace and had supper and laid them down to sleep okay so they all slept all but one but to him slumber would not come about midnight he heard a strange noise and something came to the window and said oh thou son of a dog thou didst stay if we had but a warm hut, and a white bed, and soft bread, and four sour kvass, we should have not but, we should have not to complain of, but would tell tales and feign fables till dawn. But now thou hast forgotten thy fine promise. Wherefore this shall befall thee on thy way home. Thou shalt fall in with an apple tree full of apples, and thou shalt desire to taste of them. And when thou hast tasted, therefore thou shalt burst. And if any of thy huntsmen hear this thing and tell thee of it, that man shall become stone to the knee. What? Yeah. <laughs> to the knee? To the knee. <laughs> I was right up with you until that point, and then I was like, yeah. okay. So, so if the he... rest of him stays human and flesh. Yeah. So if he tells anybody what he heard, he'll turn stone up to the knee. Uh, all up that this... to the knee. Up oh to the knee. Oh my god. This is confusing. So, oh, sorry, it's just his knees down. Like yeah. his ankles and stuff. Basically. Okay. 
At first, I, I thought like from the knee up, and I was like, "Well, no. Jesus, that's <laughs> that'd be so weird." That's a lot of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, all this that the huntsman, or all this that huntsman heard, and he thought, "Woe is me." And about the second cockcrow, something else came to the window and said, Oh, thou son of a dog, thou didst say, if we had but a warm hut and a white bed and soft bread and sour kvass, we would have naught to complain of, but would tell tales and feign fables till dawn. But now thou hast forgotten thy fine promises, therefore this shall befall thee on thy way home. Thou shalt come upon a spring road by the a spring by the roadside, a spring of pure water, and thou shalt desire to drink of it, and when thou hast drunk there <laughs> thereof thou shalt burst. <laughs> but if any of any of these thy huntsmen hear and tell thee of of this thing, he shall become stone to the girdle. So like to the waist or stomach. God damn. Yeah. It's just getting worse and worse with this this stone. <laughs> I was going to say stoning, but even that <laughs> isn't correct. Turn uh, to stone. Yeah. All this that huntsman heard, and he thought to himself, woe is me. This happened, yeah, so. I guess you would. You're like, well, fuck. I'm damned if I do and damned if I tell. Uh, or like, yeah. Again, toward the third cockrow, he heard something else coming to the window, and it said... Oh, thou son of a dog, thou didst say, if only we had a warm hut and a white bed and soft bread and sour kvass, we would have naught to complain of, but would tell tales and feign fables till dawn. But now thou hast forgotten all thy promises, therefore this shall befall thee on thy way home. Thou shalt come upon a feather bed in the highway. Just like oh. a bed. A bed in the middle of the road. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Never sleep on a mattress you find in the road. <laughs> right? Ew. Um, yeah. A longing for rest shall come over thee, and thou wilt lie down on it. And the moment thou liest down thereon, thou shalt burst. Oh, but, no. Yeah. Go and explode. Great. Uh, but if I just any... won't lie down then, okay? <laughs> uh, but if any of thy huntsmen hear this thing and tell it thee... He shall become stone up to the neck. Ooh. No! The neck now. Yeah, they're basically paralyzed. Yeah. From the neck down. All this that huntsman heard, and when he awoke his comrades and said, It is time to depart. Let us go then, said the nobleman. So on they went, and they had not gone very far when they saw an apple tree growing by the wayside, and on it were apples so beautiful that words cannot describe them. The nobleman, oh. yeah. You just don't want to try. No. <laughs> the nobleman felt that he must taste of these apples or die, but the wakeful huntsman okay. rushed up and cut down the apple tree, whereupon apples and apple tree turned to ashes, but the huntsman galloped on before and hid himself. They okay. went on a little <laughs> further till they came upon a spring, and the water of that spring was so pure and clear that words cannot describe it. Then the nobleman felt that he must drink of that water or die, but the huntsman rushed up and splashed in the spring with his sword, and immediately the water turned to blood. The Goddamn. No yeah. The nobleman <laughs> was wrath and cried, 
cut me down that son of a dog. But the huntsman rode in front and hid himself. They... God damn it. <laughs> He's wily. Yeah. They went but on... also, like, he keeps doing the same thing, so you'd think you could outsmart him. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they went on still further till they came upon a golden bed in the highway, full of white feathers so soft and cozy that words cannot describe it. The... Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the nobleman felt as if he must rest in that bed or die. Then the huntsman rushed up and struck the bed with his sword, and it turned to coal. But the nobleman was very wrath and cried, Shoot me down, that son of a dog. But the huntsman rode on before and hid himself. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when they got home, the nobleman commanded them to bring the huntsman before him. What hast thou done, thou son of a... <laughs> thou son of Satan, he cried. Oh my god! <laughs> I was waiting for son of a dog. <laughs> I was too. I almost said that. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, son of Satan. Satan's dog. <laughs> um, yeah, thou son of Satan, he cried, I must needs slay thee. But the huntsman said, my master, bid them bring hither into the courtyard an old mare fit for naught but the knacker. Oh, <laughs> rude. <laughs> yeah. An old mare fit not but for the knacker? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what does that even mean? She can't I don't do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they... I've heard of nickering. It's like horse noises. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Uh... <laughs> She's useless, they're saying. Yeah. They brought the mare, and he mounted it and said, My master, last midnight, something came beneath the window and said, O son of a dog, thou saidst, if ye had but a warm hut and a white bed and soft bread and sour kvass, we would we should grieve no more, but tell tales and feign fables till dawn. And now thou hast forgotten thy promise, wherefore this shall befall thee on thy way home. Thou shalt come upon an apple tree covered with apples by the wayside, and straightway thou shalt long to eat of them, and the moment thou tastest, therefore thou shalt burst. And if any of thy huntsmen hears this thing, and tells thee of it, he shall become stone up to the knee. When the huntsman had spoken so far, the horse on which he sat became stone up to the knee. Oh. So he, like, is tricking the whole thing. Uh, then he went on, and the second cuckrow said something else came to the window and said self-same thing, and prophesied he shall come upon a spring by the roadside, a spring of pure water, and he shall long to drink thereof, and the moment he taste of it he shall burst. And whoever hears and tells him of this thing shall become stone right up to the girdle. And when the huntsman spoke, had spoken so far, the horse on which he sat became stone right up to the breast. And what the heck? So, like, no one can come near this water at all? Is yeah. that what we're well, getting no, to? Uh, these were, like... Him turning to stone was the punishment of him telling, like, what he had heard in the night. So he's basically transferring oh. it to the horse. Um, yeah. Oh, no. I was uh, like, yeah. I don't get this, but it's getting progressively worse. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, and he continued and said, 
about the third cockroach, something else came to the window and said self-same thing and added, This shall befall thy lord on his way home. He shall come upon a white bed on the road, and he shall desire to rest upon it, and the moment he rests upon it he shall burst. And whoever hears and tells him of this thing shall become stone right up to the neck. And with these words he left or he leaped from the horse, and the horse became stone right up to its neck. So oh. poor, poor horse. Uh, yeah, that's unfair. Yeah. The horse probably can't even understand what he's saying. No. Uh, it. The last part is just, he says, that therefore my master was why I did what I did, and I pray thee pardon me. Because he was probably going to get killed for him doing all that shit, so... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't like him. Maybe he yeah. should. <laughs> was that? That's the that first the one. End of that one. Oh, yeah, it is. It they all end oh. so abruptly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that drink you. I was gonna say that drink you said, kvass. Yeah, or something. Yeah, it kept reminding me of kvasser, which is. I know it's an old Norse thing because Pat had named one of his um, recordings that, like his DJ mix CDs uh, or whatever. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Is that one of the tattoos he had? It's like, oh, he's just a being born of the saliva, uh, saliva of the Aesir and the Vanir, the two groups of gods oh. that we talked about in episode <laughs> one. Jesus. <laughs> So that's interesting because he he spread knowledge. I wonder if that had anything to do with why they keep mentioning that particular drink. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. They they want that drink and they want their water and then they'll tell tales all night long. They say. Yeah. And then they <laughs> don't. The, they go to yeah. sleep. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Those are terrible guests. You're like, I got you drunk. Now you need to talk. <laughs> you need yeah, to entertain. Right? Basically. It says, yeah, Kvasser, the dwarfs killed him and drained him of his blood, and then they mixed his blood with honey, resulting in the mead of poetry, a mead which imbues <gasps> the drinker with scaldship and wisdom. Oh. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Interesting. I just wonder if that's where that word comes from, with the kvass or whatever. I'm not sure. Yeah. It might be, because there's a lot of, like, Slavic... Like, yeah, I don't know if they have ties to like Scandinavian. I don't. Oh, yeah, I don't know. No, I know nothing. (laughs) The next one, uh, I just thought was, I don't know, it's kind of funny. It's also just kind of a dick move, but (laughs) oh my gosh, (laughs) yeah. I almost Uh, rubbed my hands together, but then I was like, that would probably be annoying up against the mic. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, this is called How a Fish Swam in the Air and a Hare in the Water. A fish? Yeah. Swam in the air. And then okay. a hare I... swam in the water. I mean, I've had hares in my water. I've <clears throat> flies in my water, flies in my drink. <laughs> yeah. It's the other one that's throwing me for a loop. <laughs> oh, no, this is like a rabbit in the water. Uh, which would be oh, weird. Oh, yeah. H-A-R-E. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, like a jackrabbit. Okay, okay. Uh, Sorry, the dog's in here. Are you going to sit down? Okay, he's good. (laughs) So, once upon a time, an old man and his wife lived together in a little village. They might have been happy if only the old woman had had the sense to hold her tongue at proper times. (laughs) Oh, well, way to blame it on the woman. (laughs) (laughs) But anything which might happen indoors or any bit of news which her husband might bring in when he had been anywhere had to be told at once to the whole village. And these tales were repeated and altered till it often happened that much mischief was made and the old man's back paid for it. Fine mirror. Don't put my food up. Okay, so... So it's all her fault. She's the only one that can't hold her tongue and gossips. Basically, when he's the one that tells her in the first place. (laughs) Oh my god. Literally just watched the episode of The Office where Michael Scott finds out Stanley's having an affair and makes it his job to tell everyone. Oh well. Yeah. Ugh. Fenrir, go! (laughs) Go sit down. So one day he drove to the forest. When he reached the edge of it, he got out of his cart and walked beside it. Suddenly, he stepped on such a soft spot that his foot sank in the earth. What can this be, thought he. I'll dig a bit and see. So he dug and dug, and at last he came on a little pot full of gold and silver. That's lucky. Yeah. Oh, what luck. Now, if only I knew how I could take this treasure home with me. But I can never hope to hide it from my wife, and when she knows of it, she'll tell all the world, and then I shall get into trouble. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> let's just keep it on the down low from the missus. <laughs> yeah. uh, he sat down and thought over the matter a long time, and at last he made a plan. He covered up the pot again with earth and twigs and brought it in and drove on into town where he bought a live pike a fish and a live okay, yeah yeah a live pike and a live hare in the market then he drove back to the forest and hung the pike up at the very top of a tree and tied the hare in a fishing net and fastened it on the edge of a little stream not troubling himself to think how unpleasant such a wet spot was likely to be to the hare well, was he gonna just eat it after? Cause no, like... he leaves it there. Oh my god, I don't yeah. understand the motivation. <laughs> uh, well, you'll see. <laughs> uh, then he got into his cart and trotted merrily home. Wife cried he. <laughs> Wife cried he the merrily. moment he. Merrily, merrily, <laughs> merrily, merrily, merrily. Yeah. Uh, Wife, cried he, the moment he got indoors, you can't think what a piece of good luck has come our way. What, what, dear husband, do tell me all about it at once. No, no, you'll just go off and tell everyone. No, indeed, how can you say such things? For shame. If you like, I will swear never to... Oh, well, if you're really in earnest, then listen. And he whispered in her ear, I found a pot full of gold and silver in the forest. Hush. Why didn't you bring it back? 
because we'll drive there together and bring it carefully back between us. So the man and his wife drove to the okay. forest. Well, you can carry more with two people. Yeah. But As yes. they were driving along, the man said, What a strange thing one hears, wife. I was told only the other day that fish now live and thrive in the treetops and that some wild animals spend their time in the water. Well, well, times are certainly changed. Why, you must be crazy, husband. Dear, dear, what nonsense. People do speak sometimes. Nonsense. <laughs> they sure do. Right. <laughs> oh, nonsense indeed. Why, just look. Bless my soul. If there isn't a fish, a real pike, I do believe, up in that tree. <laughs> Gracious, a cried A real pike in the tree? Yeah. I thought they left... Was the pike in the tree in the net? Yeah. Or was it the hare? No, the pike oh, is in he... the tree. <laughs> oh, wouldn't he die? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just so I'm clear. Okay. I mean, I don't know for sure. It's never confirmed, but I assume the pike died. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's a story, guys. Yeah. Gracious, cried his wife. How did a pike get there? It is a pike. You needn't attempt to say it's not. Can people, Can people have said true? What? And people have said true? But the man only mm. shook his head and shrugged his shoulders and opened his mouth and gasped as if, he, as if he really could not believe his own eyes. What are you standing in there? What are you standing staring at there, stupid? Said his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Climb up that tree quick and catch the pike and we'll cook it for dinner. The man climbed up that tree and brought down the pike, and they drove on. When they got near got near the stream, he drew up. What are you staring at again? His wife asked his wife impatiently. Drive on, can't you? <laughs> what? She's so impatient. So impatient. <laughs> why, I can't see... Why, I seem to see something moving in that net, I said. I must just go and see what it is. He ran to it, and when he had looked in it, he called to his wife, Just look, here is actually a four-footed creature caught in the net. I do believe it's a hare. Good. Four. Oh, four-footed. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that a weird four-footed? Uh, yeah, at first yeah. I was like, is it really tall? But never mind. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. I was very confused. <laughs> Um, quadrupedal you know yeah. it, it's four-footed it, it walks on all fours we're like okay okay we gotcha <laughs> yeah good heavens cried his wife how did the hair get into your net it is a hair you ne so you needn't say it isn't after all people must have said the truth but her husband only shook his head and shrugged his shoulders as if he could not believe his own eyes now what are you standing there for stupid cried his wife take up the <laughs> uh Take up the hair. A nice fat hair is a dinner dinner for a feast day. The old man caught up the hair and they drove on to the place where their treasure was buried. They swept the twigs away, dug up the earth, and took out the pot and drove home again with it. And now the okay. old Yeah. <laughs> now the old couple had plenty of money and were cheery and comfortable, but the wife was very foolish. Every day she asked a lot of people to dinner and feasted them till her husband grew quite impatient. He tried to reason with her, but she would not listen. 
You'll get no right to lecture me, said she. We found the treasure together, and together we will spend it. Oh, well, you're the one that keeps calling him stupid. I don't think he's the one that's going to lecture you. (laughs) Her husband took patience, but at length he said to her, You may do as you please, but I shan't give you another penny. He shan't. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, the old woman was very angry. Oh, what a good-for-nothing fellow to want to spend all the money himself. But just wait a bit and see what I shall do. Off she went to the governor to complain of her husband. Oh, my lord, protect me from my husband. Ever since he found the treasure, there is no bearing him. He only eats and drinks, and he won't work, and he keeps all the money to himself. Oh. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Hopefully that works, complaining to the government, the governor. Yeah. Because I don't think that she's the only one that's ever had that problem. (laughs) Uh, He eats and he drinks and he doesn't give me anything. (laughs) The governor took pity on the woman and ordered his chief secretary to look into the matter. The secretary called the elders of the village together and went with them to the man's house. The governor said he desires you to give all that treasure you found into my care. The man shrugged his shoulders and said, what treasure? I know nothing about a treasure. Okay. How? You know nothing? Why your wife has complained of you? Don't attempt to tell lies. If you don't hand over all the money at once, you will be tried for daring to raise treasure without giving due notice to the government about, or to the governor about it. That sounds very like. Ugh. Right. Yeah, they're, like, right up in your business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pardon me, Your Excellency, but what sort of treasure was it supposed to have been? My wife must have dreamt of it, and your gentlemen have listened to her nonsense. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> yeah. Nonsense indeed, broke in his wife. A kettle full of gold and silver? Do you call that nonsense? You were not... He me. apparently does. Yeah. <laughs> You are not in your right mind, dear wife. Sir, I beg your pardon. Ask her how it all happened, and if she convinces you, I'll pay for it with my life. Oh, no. What? <laughs> what is he saying? If You'll he, see. If the governor believes his wife, he's going to kill himself? I just don't know. Well, basically, that. they can kill him. I don't know, really. Oh, no. Remember, <laughs> I told you there was a dick move. <laughs> we haven't gotten to it yet. Oh, God. Someone's gonna die. (laughs) All right. This is how it all (laughs) happened, Mr. Secretary, cried the wife. We were driving through the forest, and we saw a pike up in the top of a tree. (laughs) What a pike, shouted the secretary. Do you think you may joke with me, pray? Indeed, I'm not joking, Mr. Secretary. I'm speaking the bare truth. Now you see, gentlemen, said her husband, how far you can trust her when she chatters like this. Chatter indeed, I. Perhaps you have forgotten, too, how we found a live hare in the river. <laughs> Everyone roared with That's laugh. more more explainable than a live yeah. fish in a tree, though. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, like a hare. They're, they're, well, we it can, can be by the river. Here. They're big. Yeah, yeah, they're tall. They could, like, sit in a river in the shallow part. Sorry, my dog. And be, um, yeah, yeah, able to sit up above the water, not drown. Yeah. (sighs) 
everyone roared with laughter, even the secretary smiled and stroked his beard, and the man said, "'Come, come, wife, everyone is laughing at you. You see for yourself, gentlemen, how far you can believe her.' "'Yes, indeed,' said the village elders. "'It is certain. It is certainly the first time we have heard that hares thrive in the water and fit or fish among the treetops.' Yeah, no doubt. It's the first. The secretary could make nothing of it all and drove back to the town. The old woman was so laughed at that she had to hold her tongue and obey her husband ever after. And the man <sighs> brought... Yeah. And the man brought wares with part of the treasure and moved into the town where he opened a shop and prospered and spent the rest of his days in peace. Oh, so like, did he? Yeah. That's when I'm like... Because he a, got rid of the wife? Basically, and now everybody in town thinks she's crazy because he, like, set up this ruse of putting a fish in the tree and everything wow. so that when she tried to tell them about the money, it was like a fairy tale because there was a fish in the tree. And that's how it this happened. sounds like the original gaslighting story. <laughs> <laughs> because I heard that the term comes from, like, a movie in the early 1900s where... Oh. A, a husband was like, you know, part of it was turning on the gas light and then telling her, I didn't turn it on, or something like that. So mm -hmm. that's where, like, the term comes from. It was literally the husband being like, I didn't do that. You're crazy. I didn't turn that light on or whatever. And it's like, oh. okay, sir. No. <laughs> she is not crazy. <laughs> yeah. You are manipulative. <laughs> I'll read, I'll read my last one, and then we'll see where we're at. Yeah, we might have to, maybe we'll save it and we'll do a bonus thing for Patreon. We can do that one, because that one's pretty long. Um, so we'll skip that one, and it'll be a special thing. Um, so I'll do That's the cool. last one I have then, which is about some very good dogs. Uh, <gasps> puppers. Puppers. Uh, Literally this... just kicked my dog out of the room. <laughs> he followed <laughs> me out when I Aww. had to go get my headphone. <laughs> Bye, Fenrir. Um, Bye. This one is called The Iron Wolf. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. It's uh, very Game of Thronesy sounding. Yes. Like you have, right? Yeah, because the Starks, they have the wolves, but then you had the Iron Throne and the... Oh, the, the sea... Like, Theon Grey joined them. They always talked about paying the iron price for something. Because mm. you, would, you wouldn't buy it. You would kill someone and take it off them. <laughs> that was paying the iron price. And they looked down on you if you paid the gold price, remember? That was if you actually bought it. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, well, from the books and stuff, like, uh. Theon's dad was like, You fucking bastard. You paid the gold price for that, didn't you? Jeez. Anyway, <laughs> I know, um, he's a dick. <laughs> so, yeah, I liked this one. It's a good one for me to end on that. Uh, there was once upon a time a parson who had a servant, and when his servant had served him faithfully for 12 years and upward, he came to the parson and said, Let us now settle our accounts, master, and pay me what thou owest me. I have now served long enough and would fain to have little peace in the world all in the wide world all to myself. Oh. 
Good, said the parson. I'll tell thee now what wage I'll give thee for thy faithful service. I'll give thee that, give thee this egg. Take it home, and when thou gettest there, make to thyself a cattle pen and make it strong, and then break the egg in the middle of thy cattle pen, and thou shalt see something. But whatever thou dost, don't break it on thy way home, or all thy luck will leave thee. That's it's a whole like lot the of old snitch. English. Yeah. I open at the close. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the snitch says. See, and Harry opened it when he died. <laughs> oh yeah. The ground. That's right, my favorite you... movie and my favorite book. The Goblet of Fire one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like that one, too. I especially love when Durmstrang does their entrance, and it's all, yeah. <gasps> boom, boom, wah, and then, yeah, the synchronized, like, staff stomping and then fire breathing or whatever. It's very yeah. impressive. <laughs> and then you get the French school of girls, the beau batons, and they're just like, ah, and little magic birds, yeah. and I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Except in the in the books, aren't they both like both of the schools have male and female students? And then probably the... I remember them both being very impressive in the books. Like the one yeah. arrives in like a flying carriage or something, and the yeah. other one comes up in a ship. a ship that was like basically a submarine. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So thy servant departed on his wayward way. He went on and on, and at last he thought to himself, Come now, I'll see what is inside of this egg of mine. So he broke it, and out of it came all sorts of cattle, in such numbers that the open stuffy became like a fair. Oh. Yeah. Now, see, now I can just hear Harry Potter. Come seek us where our voices sound. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The servant stood there in amazement, and he thought to himself, However, in God's world, shall I be able to drive all these cattle back again? He had scarcely uttered the words when the iron wolf came running up and said to him, I'll collect and drive back all these cattle into the egg again, and I'll patch the egg up so that it will become quite whole. But in return for that, continued the iron wolf, whenever thou dost sit down on the bridal bench, I'll come and eat thee. So he basically... He basically can't get married. Uh, <laughs> God damn. I was still laughing at the part about cattle and then he uttered the words and I was like, ha <laughs> utter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Stupid. I know. Okay, continue. <laughs> well, thought the servant to himself, a lot of things may happen before I sit down on the bridal bench. And he comes to eat me, and in the meantime, I shall get all of these cattle. Agreed, then, said he. Yeah. So the Iron Wolf immediately collected all the cattle and drove them back into the egg and patched up the egg and made it whole, just as it was before. Huh. The servant went home to the village where he lived, made him a cattle pen stronger than strong, went inside it and broke open the and broke the egg and immediately the cattle pen was full of cattle as it could hold then he took to farming and cattle breeding and he became so rich that the whole wide world there that in the whole wide world there was none richer than he 
He kept to himself, wow. and his goods increased and multiplied exceedingly. The only thing wanting in his happiness was a wife, but a wife he was afraid to take. Now near to where he lived was a general who had a lovely daughter, and this daughter fell in love with the rich man. So the general went and said to him, Come, why don't you marry? I'll give you my daughter and lots of money with her. Damn. All How right, is, then. Yeah. How is it possible for me to marry, replied the man. As soon as I ever sit down on the bridal bench, the iron wolf will come and eat me up. And he told the general all that had happened. Oh, nonsense, said the general. Don't be afraid. I have a mighty host, and when the time comes for you to sit down on the bridal bench, we'll surround your house with three strong rows of soldiers, and they won't, th they won't let the iron wolf get at you, I can tell you. So they okay. talk. Yeah. So they talked the matter over till he let himself be persuaded, and then they began to make great preparations for the bridal banquet. Everything went off exceedingly well, excellently well, and they made merry till the time came when bride and groom were to sit down together on the bridal bench. When the general placed his men in three strong rows all around the house so as not to let the iron wolf get in, and no sooner had the young people sat down on, upon the bridal bench that sure enough, the iron wolf came running up. He saw the host standing. Yeah. He saw the host <laughs> standing round the house in three strong rows, but through all three rows he leaped and made straight for the house. But the man, as soon as he saw the iron wolf, leapt out the window, mounted his horse, and galloped off with the wolf after him. Away and away he galloped, and after him came the wolf. But try as he could, it could not catch up to him anyhow. At last, toward evening, the man stopped and looked about him and saw that he was, he was in a lone forest and before him stood a hut. He went up to this hut and saw an old man and an old woman sitting in front of it and said to them, Would you let me rest a little while with you good people? By all means, said they. There is one thing, however, good people, said he, don't let the iron wolf catch me while I am resting with you. Have no fear okay. of that. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Don't let it eat that me. That will be good. <laughs> uh, have no fear of that, replied the old couple. We have a dog called Chutko who can hear a wolf Aww. coming a mile off and he'll be sure to let us know. I would so, hope so. Yeah. He's a good dog. Oh, uh, he's a good doggo. <laughs> so he laid him down to sleep and was just dropping off when oh. Chutko began to bark. Then the old people awoke him and said, Be off, be off, for the iron wolf is coming. And they gave him the dog and a wheat and hearth cake as provision by the way. So he went okay. on and on, and the dog followed him after till it began to grow dark, and then he perceived another hut in another forest. He went up to that, and in front of it were sitting an old man and an old woman. He asked them for a night's lodging. Only, said he, take care that the iron wolf doesn't catch me. Have no fear of that, said they. We have a dog here called Vazuko, who can hear a wolf <laughs> nine miles off. Uh, okay, buddy. You've been yeah. to this other house before. <laughs> But this the wolf dogs can... haven't helped you. But this dog can hear a wolf nine miles away. Oh my um, god. So he Maybe like... he should, unfortunately, just possibly stay by himself instead of endangering all these other people. But he can't I stop, because mean... then the wolf's gonna eat him. 
<sighs> Bar those doors, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he lay down and slept. Just before dawn, Razuko began to bark. Immediately they awoke him. Run, cried they, the iron wolf is coming. And they gave him the dog and a barely, and a barley hearth cake as provision by the way. So Aww. he took the hearth cake, sat him on the horse, and he went off with his two dogs followed after him. He went on and on and on he went till evening. When again he stopped and looked about him and saw that he was in another forest and another little hut stood before him. He went into the hut and there was sitting an old man and an old woman. Will you let me pass the night here, good people, said he. Only take care of that iron wolf does not get a hold of me. Have no fear, said they. We have a dog called Barry. Or Barry. No. <laughs> who can <laughs> who can hear a wolf coming twelve miles off. He'll let us know. So he lay down to sleep, and early in the morning, Barley let them know that the wolf was drawing nigh. Immediately. <laughs> or my dog would let you know if you got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, because he would yeah. bark at you again if you are not his family and you're staying overnight. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he will. Yes, I know he's done that to you, and I know he's done that to my mom. She's like, I literally oh. would just, like, move in the night, and he'd be like, rrr, rrr, rrr. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're supposed to be here. Calm down. <laughs> I've been here for 12 hours. Yeah, uh. you're so protective. You're overprotective. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, if Pat's not here, he just, like... Like, Pat went to the grocery store for, like, 10, 15 minutes earlier, and he was like barking by the time he came back it was actually really funny well, <laughs> i was like whoa you're intense today buddy <laughs> immediately they awoke him tis high time for you to be off they said when they gave him the dog and a buckwheat hearth cake as provision by the way he took the hearth Aww. cake sat him on his horse and off he went so he now had three dogs and they all three followed him Oh my god, I guess he does. Yeah. He Just went on and on. Them. Toward evening, <laughs> he found himself in front of another hut. He went into it, and there was nobody there. He went and lay down, and his dogs lay down also. Chutko on the, on the threshold of the room door, Vazku at the threshold of the house door, and Barry at the threshold of the outer gate. Presently, the Iron Wolf came trotting up. Immediately, Chutko gave the alarm, Vasco nailed him in to the earth, and Barry tore him to pieces. Cause they what? Could There's some good dogs. Hell yeah! Oh. They're just like, by the way, the evil <laughs> thing after you is a wolf. You just have three dogs. Now you're fine. Right? <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> uh, this literally ends with, Then the man gathered his faithful dogs around him, mounted his horse, and went back to his own home. And that's the end. Oh. <laughs> Because he had some good dogs. He had some good doggos. He had some good doggies. Yeah. I like that. I like ones that have dogs in them. Yeah, Once I, I like finally got one. my dog out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this was the first one I knew that I wanted to share. I was like, that's cute. Dogs ripped the yes. wolf to pieces. Yay. <laughs> we'll probably take a quick break and then... <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting i learned a lot about ukrainian folklore 
but I'm sure there's still so much to learn. (laughs) Yeah, it seems to be very, I guess, like, town-based or, like, village-based. There's a lot of, there isn't, like, a unity to a lot of it, it seemed, when I was trying to look up stuff. They're like, yeah, different folklore is based on kind of the specific area in Ukraine that you live in. That's what I came across, too, and I have a, a little bit of an introduction, kind of, on their folklore, which, I don't know, I found cool. kind of interesting. Yeah, like, I, I kind of found that, too. Uh, but obviously, there's a lot you could look up on, about the history of different cultures, folklore, and, and stuff. Um, but I'll just keep it to what was pertinent um <laughs> the oops there's a uh big folk oral literature tradition um folk tales they said tales of magic animal tales legends anecdotes etc are a big thing and then there's folk songs which is cool and makes sense uh, every culture i'm sure has like different songs yeah. Um, and what else did they say? Items of the minor verbal genres. Oh, proverbs and riddles <laughs> are also included, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, some of them are just uh, animal tales, songs, games, whatever. But yeah, it's it's all interesting, that's for sure. And I we haven't heard a lot of them. I I was like surprised at the list of different quote-unquote fairy tales you know yeah stories that you could look up for for ukraine and like not just ukraine because like some of the ones i'm going to talk about they're just you know from from you know more ukraine russian whatever kind of Mm -hmm. a general area (laughs) folklore but yeah it's so cool um folklore so yeah, it was to your point. According to some sources, such as like Wikipedia, um, <laughs> Ukrainian folk customs have basically many layers, from what I could gather, like onions. <laughs> no, but <laughs> they can be affected and defined by their different periods of time. Um, the oldest tales can be from the Pan-Slavic layer of folk culture. And then the Eastern Slavic would be another more specific sort of layer. And then they can have like, yeah, even on top of that, more Ukrainian specific elements. So I was like, okay, so it just kind of like narrows down from the greater region that you're in to maybe more specific tales, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, hard, hard to say. Um, Yeah, it made me think of, oh, this is what I wrote. It makes me think of like there was ghost stories you can read from like, all of Canada, or then, like, just from the Maritimes, or then just maybe from, like, your home province. I don't know. I was like, okay, yeah. yeah. In my mind, that makes sense. (laughs) But, yeah, also I learned that Slavs are the largest European ethno-linguistic group. So, it's made up of Russians, Poles, Ukrainians, Czechs, Serbs, and Belarusians. All those fun people so yeah ethno-linguistic kind of groups they all kind of would speak similar if not the same language and kind of have the same culture i learned that 
Ukrainians do speak Ukrainian and do write with the Ukrainian alphabet, but it is like a variant on Cyrillic, which is like the Russian okay. alphabet. So yeah, it, it would alphabet. <laughs> Can't talk. So it, it would look similar. And I was like, yeah, it's always looked similar to me. But it's interesting to know there's a little bit of a division or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then traditionally Ukrainians have like a very big fondness for their traditional beautiful clothing with yes. all its intricate embroidery. It's yeah, so, so nice. Pretty. Um, there are some pictures of some traditional dress on the drive, which I'll get into mm. a little bit. <laughs> so as it turns out, like a, a very handsome embroidered shirt could be quite the advertisement for a woman's sewing skill and eligibility as a, you know, marriageable woman. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. And then they would use symbols like the sun, moon, and the tree of life, which were all very common um, in this kind of traditional garb. And then others would vary by region, and most work was done on them in kind of the dark of winter. That's when you have all the time, mm. really. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I uploaded a couple ones that said they were this traditional piece of clothing. They're, it's a checkered plakta. And it's a colorful garment for festive occasions. And they had something called the Zapaska skirt that was for everyday wear. So <laughs> when I went to look uh, up pictures, okay. it, it basically all seemed to come in one outfit. Like, I couldn't find any pictures differentiating the, the fancy like, shirt versus the everyday skirt or whatever. So a lot of them were just... Yeah. You know, you get the white embro like with shirt with embroidery, kind of a blouse situation, and then a traditional looking skirt with all these, you know, patterns or whatever. Yeah. One um, just seems like the everyday one just seems a little bit longer. I know, because I was like looking for pictures, seeing if it was going to be a big difference, and I was like, Oh, you're just giving me the same picture as when I Google the fancy skirt as when I Google the the non-fancy shirt. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same people in a whole outfit. <laughs> I don't know. But apparently young unmarried women would typically wear their hair in braids, like decorated with ribbons or flowers in the summertime. So, yeah, very midsummer. Yes. You know, I love it. It's so of, nice. It is. It's pretty. They were, like, often barefoot in the warmer months as well. But once married, they would often then have to cover their hair traditionally, mostly due mm -hmm. to older traditions and beliefs of hair having basically magical properties, if we really think about it. <laughs> okay. I know, and... Actually, it's quite common. I had heard of it historically in a religion or two. So according to headcovers.com, the practice of people wearing head covers and veils for religious purposes is an integral part of all three monotheistic religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, as well as other faiths and cultures. The first records of women wearing head coverings dates back to the 13th century BC, Assyria, 
Women of nobility began wearing head coverings in order to set themselves apart from women of lower social status. And, and, yeah, it's been around a while. Um, In Christianity, women were guided by the Bible to cover their heads to signify spiritual submission to God and their husbands. He, and, oh yeah, then they had a guide to head coverings listed by religion, which I did not include. (laughs) Oh, okay. But kind of interesting that it does span different religions. Yeah. Yeah. I had never heard about it associated with, like, Ukraine before. Yeah, I know. And I'm not sure what the major religion would be practiced there. Like, if it's Roman Catholic or what have you, which are some of the other ones that employ this or or used to really enforce this rule. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so Ukrainian women were to hide their, hide their hair with an achipok. Ugh, sometimes they just look so cute, too. Yeah. I know they do it in Muslim culture and stuff also, but yeah. also sometimes they're very... I think I do have a couple of... I tried to find a couple of tradition traditional headscarves because they can be really pretty and colorful and stuff. But Oh, yeah. We have some Muslim people at my work and their headscarves and everything are yeah. always so color coordinated to their outfit. It's always so nice. Yes. That yeah. too. But like, did I include some of the pictures? Cause some of the Ukrainian ones had some kind of, you know, intricate detail and stuff that, well, you'll uh, see it's more one. like Easter eggs. Yeah. Okay. There wasn't a lot. Um, <laughs> but speaking of Easter eggs, the fun fact that I have is Canada has the largest Ukrainian population outside of Russia and Ukraine. That's wow. cool. I know. Also, seeing that uh, now that I'm processing healthcare applications, seeing a lot mm. of applications of couples, families, people, literally the reason they're writing on their application to come to Canada is like fleeing the war and it makes me so sad yeah but so happy they have an option to come here and have like yeah people that are Ukrainian family or you know Ukrainian friends at least yeah there's a community here right I didn't know we had the largest Ukrainian population like outside of like Europe or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me feel good. It's cool. Um, and also, okay, I did know this, but I didn't know it was the second biggest. We have the second largest Ukrainian Easter egg in Alberta. Did you know that really? it's the second largest? No. It is. Um, so they're sometimes called a pasanka. The very beautiful decorated Easter eggs. Um, the Ukrainian ones have just the most beautiful, intricate like details. It's just a little bit different than you dipping it into whatever yeah. <laughs> colors. You mean me drawing a flower and some grass on it on crayon and then dipping it? <gasps> That's right. In you water? would do like the white crayon and then yeah. it would kind of show up as a pattern. I forgot about that. Yeah. No, we hardly ever did that. <laughs> oh, we always did every year when I was young. And then my mom would make like <gasps> devil eggs out of it and it would just look like terrible. 
Yeah, because you have to do something with it after you've got all those yeah. eggs. <laughs> Who wants um, some funky, like, egg salad? I don't know. Right? Oh, I like egg salad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so what people might not know, the f- I, I knew this about Alberta before I started living here, is that in Vagerville, Oh, God. We have the second largest Ukrainian Easter egg. So it's one of those go see. Yeah, you know, it's like go see the giant corridor. Go see the giant baseball bat. All the other giant things we have in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's still only the second largest. It's 31 feet or nine meters long, three and a half stories high, weighing wow. two and a half tons. I know it's fucking huge, right? And you kind of, like, take your picture below it. And you're like, hello! (laughs) Um, But the largest, you may ask where it is, is in a museum. The Pisanka Museum in Ukraine. And I do have a picture of it on the drive. (laughs) Because it's one main, like, wing or part of the museum is actually shaped like an Easter egg or Pisanka. Oh, cool. It looks nice. It's big. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't imagine how the big that is to go in. And I think I put a picture farther down of what it looks like lit up at night, which was cool, too. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, so they they have the biggest collection of Ukrainian Easter eggs. They have over 10,000 Pesanki, hope I'm saying that right, eggs here. And the tradition of painting eggs during the Easter months dates back to before Christianity even came to the country. So that's cool. Yeah. They're so nice. I just, it's like little, uh, what are those eggs that people collect? It's other ones. Oh, wait. No, the, oh, Fabergé eggs? Yeah. Yes. They're just like okay. so designed and like beautiful outside. I'm like, I want a hundred of them. True. Thank you. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I want like a hundred of these. Please and thank you. Yeah, I forgot about those because these ones are super detailed. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. they're worth millions. <laughs> Some of them probably are. Um, they have over ten thousand Pasanki eggs there. Oh yeah. Uh so yeah, it had pagan roots, then it was absorbed into Christianity. They have all these beautifully, lavishly decorated um, eggs. Just in general, the main influences on Ukraine and their folklore are from the continents that hug it (laughs) and it straddles. So the western parts of Ukraine seem to have more of a European flair, while the eastern may have had more of the Russian influence on their culture. But... That's just generalizing. So. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of one that can be considered Russian folklore, there is one that most people probably know, and they are Baba Yaga. (laughs) I had heard the name. I don't know if I know what it's actually about, though. I mean, you wouldn't, and I didn't, because the only thing I've seen it covered on is, like, pop culture things that basically gets it wrong. <laughs> okay. She's apparently, and honestly, there's, she's my main supernatural being. 
So I know you're like excited being like, I love creatures. And I was like, I didn't really find any like creatures per se, but she is a supernatural being. Definitely. Oh, okay. And we have a lot. She has a lot of stories written about her. Holy shit. Speaking of all the stories to cover, like, yeah, she's like, I feel like she spawns all the like grim fairy tales. Like they, there have a lot that have um, similarities. Yeah, mm-hmm. she can be described as an ogress or a witch. So she can steal, cook, and eat most of her victims that usually are kids. <laughs> most Who tales. knows? Pencil and Gretel. Right? It is though. Because the one story is very much like that. I think I mentioned it. She happens to be a guardian of the fountains of the water of life. Ooh. And she lives with her two sisters in a forest hut that stands on skinny bird slash chicken legs. <laughs> Ew, that's creepy. It is, it is. And I feel like that's the only detail I remember from a book we had growing up of different folklore and stuff where it was like, ew, I can picture those chicken legs. (laughs) (laughs) So the house can jump up or spin around or relocate on her command. So that's fun. (laughs) You can just tell it where to go. (laughs) And her fence is decorated with these cute post toppers that are skulls of people she's killed before oh fun (laughs) yes a lot of times she's depicted as very fearsome she can fly like a witch sort of because she uses something almost as weird as a broomstick okay but it's more like a bowl (laughs) a bowl it's similar. I tried to find some pictures. Yes, she she rides in like a kettle sometimes. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I can't remember what it was from, but I did see witches that were riding, I think it was a vacuum cleaner or something. I can't remember what that was from, though. I don't know. I saw something where it was almost like a little derby where people make their own little box race cars. Like, I don't know. They did it on The Simpsons, but like kids do it. But then everybody was on a different. Yeah, there was a vacuum guy and like, I don't know, a bathtub guy. It was all these weird household things. That's what that reminded me of. Um, But yeah, she has a lot of different stories about her. Um... Oh, yeah. The broomstick thing. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, they say that the where that comes from with the witches riding the broomsticks is that, well, back when they thought everybody was witches, um, <laughs> one way for people, the witches to ingest their hallucinogenic drugs or concoctions was to not take it orally to upset their stomach or whatever, but like rubbing it on a stick. And then rubbing that stick kind of up in them or riding it. Have you ever heard that's where the broomstick thing comes from? No, but that just reminded me of a TV show I watched (laughs) and a particular scene in it. (laughs) 
I'm like, I can't even. It's so, like, weird to explain. I'm like, have you heard this? Well, it does? What TV show? I watched show? it. Uh, the Nick. I told you about it before. The uh, guy that's in it, he's addicted okay. to, I think it's cocaine. Uh, and that's how him and the one nurse do <gasps> cocaine, is he basically sprinkles it on his dick. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, and then they have sex, and then they both get high. (laughs) And it's like, okay. Yeah. I guess this is what's happening in episode two. (laughs) Oh my god, you're like, I'm turned off of this. Yeah, no, it's totally like the anal thing, or you could guess ingest it that way. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, it was like episode one, I'm pretty sure, had something very similar that happened. It was just like, wow, this is the show I'm choosing to watch. Yeah, I I remember listening to a few podcasts today where they're talking about shows that they just were too much for them. <laughs> it's too gory. Oh, Even no. somebody said this season of Stranger Things, and I was like, it was not gory. Oh my god. Anyway. Some people are losers. I don't know. I just, certain things some people can't take. They were. I was listening to one where they were like, "Yeah, like Game of Thrones wasn't for them. It was anyway." I was like, "Yeah, that's you. You just couldn't get past it. It was really good if you could have." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to each their own. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um. Anyway, sorry. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, what does Baba Yaga use to fly? She sometimes can be pictured with a broomstick in the mix but it's not her main carriage it's usually an iron kettle or a mortar that she steers with a pestle you know what a mortar and pestle is yes yeah Yeah. to like crush herbs and stuff right how right, do you... so it's just like some stone bowl, and then her little stick thing is her steering wheel. <laughs> this, I'm trying to picture it in my head, and it's just not working. Well, to be honest, there was one picture I saw of it one time that I thought was really good, but then when I went to look up pictures to put on the drive, I could not find that one. Oh, yeah, that's And weird. I was like, yeah, because I was like, okay, that one to me kind of depicted how... I don't know, like, picture they're in, like, a speedboat. <laughs> but it's, like, the shape Aww. of a stone bowl. And then, like, instead of the steering okay. column or whatever, so like... you have a, a big stick that's your pestle. <laughs> so she's in the bowl. She's not sitting on yes. a tiny bowl. Okay. Right. I was her sitting on the bowl. <laughs> Being, oh how is God, she I'm... On the rim. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. Makes more sense. I think, I, I mean, I found some pictures i don't know you can look and i I can't remember if i found any that really depicted it that well but i tried (laughs) (laughs) and apparently this flight creates these tempests or violent windy storms so she's just riling things up wherever she goes She can also be found riding with death himself, helping him to devour his newly released souls. How yeah. helpful. Yeah, she's just out there being a good friend. <laughs> she's like, I'm a good character, you will see. 
Well, she's more like, okay, you wouldn't call her good. You wouldn't call her chaotic good. You'd probably call her chaotic neutral if you had to pick a, an alignment, as they say in D&D or whatever. Because yeah. <laughs> she will probably either imprison you, eat you, or inadvertently help you. She's a bit of a wild card. <laughs> inadvertently yeah. help you. It's like true. That. It's true. <laughs> okay, oh, shit. So I accidentally off... helped them. <laughs> You'll see. You'll understand. Don't worry. Um, apparently, she's often seen draped over her stove or reclining in the hut across the entire expanse with her large nose touching the ceiling. Oh, wow. That reminds me of... Um, the witch that I covered with, she was the mother of the Yule lads in the Icelandic oh, folklore, and yeah. she had a really big nose. <laughs> also, now we have listeners in Iceland, so I'm so happy. All right. Oh, yeah, sometimes she does incorporate a broom into the flying, but just to sweep away her tracks, apparently. I don't, mm. I don't know. How do you leave air tracks? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so she likes to leave early in the morning, sometimes with her flock of black geese, to patrol the skies looking for children. And one story was about two children that were disobedient that ran across her and her flock. They were named Olga and Sergei. They snuck out against their mother's wishes while she was at the market. They had been warned not to leave while the geese are in the air, but they do it anyway. Ew. <laughs> So Sergei, of course, gets plucked up and literally carried away. He was taken to her hut to be made into dinner, but his sister was able to save him using magical items, and they both learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Hopefully. Otherwise, what kind of fairy tale is this? Um, but the most common translation of Baba Yaga is sort of a loose translation, which generally means grandmother witch, we've decided. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I like it. Also, quote, there's no universal agreement on the definition of Yaga. Just so you know. <laughs> okay, so what does Baba mean? <laughs> so in old oh. Russian, Baba... It's basically feminine. It could mean midwife, sorceress, or fortune teller back in the old days. <laughs> mm. um, and it's also, yeah, it's a feminine denotation. And it's where they get the word babushka or grandmother. Aww, like in babushka. Russian. Yeah. <laughs> I call Gordo a babushka sometimes. <laughs> Little babushka. Oh my god. Okay, but you could though. I told you there's a subreddit called Babush Cats where people just put a yes. little scarf over their cat head. It is so cute. They're so <laughs> cute. Babushka animals are adorable. I also think I saw a dog named um, Gordo earlier, but oh I maybe now. yeah. I call I him also Gordinsky. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I mean, technically, his name is Gordon, but I call him Gordon Steve. We used to have a dog named Lucy, and when we called her Lucifer, you know, <laughs> at first we had to be explained to why that wasn't just a nickname for Lucy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
throat noises. Okay, so this is also fun. She's not always seen as pure evil. Uh, she is also in other interpretations seen as more of a trickster. <laughs> All yes. right. She features in many fairy tale style stories where she, quote, inadvertently frees the heroine from the tyranny of her stepmother and stepsisters. Oh, sorry, that was one specific one. <laughs> Cinderella. Um, it's basically Cinderella, yes. Okay. Um, I think, yes, I have a little bit more on that 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 story later. Because um, she did have a lot of stories. Oh my gosh, I had to, like, narrow it down, to be honest. <laughs> Which is hard for me. But um, <laughs> what was cool was I also found out she said some similarities to a goddess of death. So... Quote, an early goddess of death known as Iagaya. I did not look up how to pronounce it. I will be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like Yaga, but instead there's a lot more eyes. Iagaya. So Iagaya Baba and scholars noted the following info. The Slavs venerated the underworld goddess by this name. Representing her as a frightening figure seated in an iron mortar with an iron pestle in her hands. They made blood sacrifice to her, thinking that she fed it to the two granddaughters attributed to her, and that she delighted in the shedding blood herself. Ugh. Shedding of blood. Yes, so this goddess of death Yagya Baba seems very similar to Yaga Baba <laughs> yeah especially with her little flying iron mortar and pestle yeah that's a very specific thing <laughs> right oh and also in some iteration iterations she had two daughters instead of two sisters um and they were all called Baba Yagas and then I said, no idea how you'd make a baby Yaga if there's no Papa Yaga. <laughs> I know, dumb. <laughs> um, <laughs> so still other scholars disagreed and said she was the, uh, not the goddess of death or personification of evil, but... The personification of nature, because she could be cruel and kind. So she could be represented by a storm cloud or the personification of a plow, which breaks the earth to ready it for planting and fertilization, mm. which is interesting. And one scholar named Matthew Guthrie says that she is the Slavic version of the Greek god Persephone, the queen of the underworld and the wife of Hades. Okay, I was like, why does this sound so familiar? Does it? Well, what, like, just you... uh, when you said, yeah. like, her being a goddess of the underworld, I was like, why yes. am I thinking of somebody else when you say it? Honestly, even when I read that she was the Slavic version of Persephone. I was like, who the fuck is Persephone again? And I had to look no. it up. <laughs> but it sounds, I was like, it sounds familiar. I should know this. <laughs> when I was yeah. in middle school, we, for some reason, it gym class, no, it wasn't gym class. It was like 
music class, but it was, I don't know, sometimes we didn't do music. Um, Sometimes we read plays instead. I don't understand why. Um, But they were, (laughs) like, short. one of those easy classes. (laughs) Yeah. We basically broke off into groups, and then there'd be, like, five or six of us, and we'd all be assigned, like, a character, and we'd have to read this play, like, in character. But it was stupid, because we'd practice for, like, a week, and then each group had to, like, share the same play. So by the end of the week and the last class, we've watched six different groups read the same play that everybody had to read for the last week over and over and over again. Okay. And we had one that was about Persephone and Hades (laughs) and everything like that. So it's like... Yeah. I mean... That would get oversaturated quickly. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> I hated it. Yeah, no way. Exactly. I, I've always loved uh, any drama classes I took or anything. Like I remember looking up. I was like, I went to a Bible camp. I know I did. And then I looked it up the other day. I was like, Oh yeah, it was that one. But they had like archery and drama and all this stuff that made it really fun. <laughs> so oh, cool. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was actually really fun. Um, yeah, she's definitely interesting. She generally, Baba Yaga, can live outside of the norm, abides by her own rules. Cool. Her in her chicken leg house. <laughs> I'm just staring at that picture right now going, why? Yes! Okay, we'll get to it quickly, but the chicken leg house is something that I remember from uh, early fairy tale books I had as a kid. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, she can be seen to abide by her own rules and kind of be the embodiment of feminism or feminine power sometimes. Um, one of the most famous stories quote, like associated with her is Vasilisa the Beautiful. So, yes, I think this is the one that is very much like a Cinderella story. Oh, okay, we will mention that one. But also, first, I had to include a quote I found on her origin story. So about Baba Yaga, it said, Wishing to concoct the most perfect essence of evil, the devil cooked 12 nasty women together in a cauldron to capture their essence. (laughs) gathered the steam in his mouth and then spat into the cauldron without thinking out of this mixture came baba yaga the most perfect evil (laughs) so like what (laughs) why do god's stories always have to involve like spitting or something (laughs) okay so here's the pretty famous story with her vasilisa the beautiful Somewhere in the eastern part of Europe, where it gets bitterly cold in winter, there is a dark forest. If you are ever brave, foolish, or ignorant enough to go wandering through that forest, there is a good chance that you might come across a peculiar house. It's a wooden hut, but it's like no other that you have ever seen, for it stands on chicken legs, and quite often it walks about just like a monstrous farm yard bird. (laughs) No thanks. <laughs> right? <laughs> this hut is the home of Baba Yaga. I don't advise that you knock at the door of Baba Yaga's hut, no matter how much you have lost your way through the forest, for Baba Yaga is a witch. On the edge of Baba Yaga's forest, there is a little village. 
and everyone who lives there knows about the strange hut and the lady who lives inside it. They know her and they fear her, for it has long been rumored that she likes to eat children. <laughs> a long time ago, a man lived in this village with his beautiful daughter, who was called Vasilisa. The girl's mother had sadly died some years before the start of this story. Before she died, she gave Vasilisa a wonderful gift. It was a little rag doll that did not look so different from any other. The girl's mother told Vasilisa that she should take special care of the doll. Every night she must fill it a little milk and a little biscuit, and as long as she did so, the doll would always be ready to help her, no matter how much trouble she found herself in. Okay. <laughs> Yes, I, I, I saved the version that included the biscuit because it was the best detail. <laughs> and a little biscuit. <laughs> right? Just like paints a picture. <laughs> I mean, didn't you ever treat your damn stuffed animals like they were real? Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, every night, the little rag doll sat up and drank a little milk and ate a little biscuit before smiling at Vasilisa and then going back to sleep. As time went by, the girl's father decided to marry again. His second wife had two daughters of her own, neither of whom could touch Vasilisa for beauty or sweetness of character. Da, da, da. In fact, they were jealous of Vasilisa and they hated her terribly. So as long as Vasilisa's father remained at home, the stepmother and stepsisters had to pretend that they liked her. But every now and then, one of the sisters would whisper in Vasilisa's ear, Just you wait until your dear papa leaves alone with you. Then you'll see. So, when Vasilisa had recently passed her 16th birthday, her father said that he had to go away on a journey that would last at least a month. Vasilisa begged him to take her with him, but he just laughed and said he was traveling on business, and the girl would find the journey tiresome and dull. The first night after the father had left, the stepmother gathered the three girls together in the parlor and spoke as such. Now, my dears, I have a little task for each of you. Tanya, that was the oldest, go into my room, please, my dear, and sew a button on my red dress. Katya, the youngest, go to the kitchen table and roll some pastry so that it's nice and flat. And Vasilisa, dear, go to Baba Yaga's hut in the forest and ask her to lend us some lights. Now run along, sweetheart. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yes. You go into the scary woods and feed the lion. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, exactly. She says, run along. Don't waste any time. We don't want you to get caught in the dark now, do we? <laughs> so the stepmother shooed Vasilisa out of the house so fast that she hardly had time to put on her hat and gloves. She walked forlornly to the corner of the street and took the little doll out of her coat pocket where it had been sleeping. Oh, little doll, she said. My mother told me that if I fed and looked after you, you would be ready to help me if I was ever in trouble. I must go to Baba Yaga, and everyone knows that she is, dread she is a dreadfully wicked witch. So please tell me, what am I to do? The little doll looked up and Vasilisa and said, Be as brave as you are beautiful. Go to Baba Yaga's hut and no harm will come to you. 
Vasilisa mustered up all her courage and walked down the path that led through the woods to the hut of Baba Yaga. After a while, the young girl heard the sound of galloping hooves coming up behind her, and she stepped off the road to let a horse ridden by a rider in a blazing red cloak shoot past her. I wonder who that was, thought Vasilisa before setting off on her way once more. It's Little Red Riding Hood! (laughs) Yes! But I don't think so. Um, (laughs) She's not on a horse. no, <laughs> it's, yeah, this is a little different. Um, a little further on, she once again heard the sound of galloping hooves, and this time a rider in a cloak of dazzling white sped past her and down the road that led to Baba Yaga's hut. Sorry. Sometime later, a third horse shot by. Its rider wore a cloak that was as black as night. After about an hour of walking, Vasilisa came to a clearing in the forest. Although it was now getting quite dark, she had no trouble seeing, for this neck of the woods was lit by skulls with blazing eyes. The skulls, (laughs) yeah, were mounted on top of a high fence. Beyond the fence, she saw the strange hut that stood on chicken legs. It turned around to face her, and it seemed to Vasilisa that the hut was looking at her. Then the chicken legs began to kneel and the hut lowered to the ground. The door creaked open. (laughs) That doesn't sound good. It's such a picture in your head with a a house leaning down towards you on little legs. (laughs) I... I remember the picture from reading a book when I was a kid, and that part I don't think ever left me. <laughs> it's, uh, what did I watch? The, like, Asian movie, The Howl's Moving Castle? I think it is. It's a movie or not a yeah. documentary? No, it's a movie, and it has the oh. same thing. It's like a house that this... Oops. wizard i guess made and it walks um, and stuff and it does the same thing it'll like come down but it's basically fully mechanical he just like enchanted it oh um, really to move but it's the same kind of thing it like walks around and stuff and it'll come to the ground for people yeah no that's that's creepy (laughs) so i'm like i'm picturing that in my head but replacing the bottom of the house with chicken legs instead of like mechanical legs yes i uploaded a few pictures i could find i just none of them replicated the one i remembered from the fairy tale book when i was a kid but yeah there was a Mm. bunch you can find online of different like depictions it seems (laughs) so i was like whoa yeah and again, I had, I couldn't get, I had troubles making a folder because I'm an idiot. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah, so the, the hut lowered to the ground, the door creaked open, Baba Yaga's nose was so long and bony that it appeared through the door before the rest of her. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> A moment or two later, the nose was followed by a tall, skinny old woman holding a broomstick. Vasilisa was so frightened that her legs would not obey her when she told them to run. The old lady came towards her, but she did not walk. Her feet flew just a few inches above the ground. 
baby. Well, child, she said, did the cat get your tongue? Or are you just badly brought up? Speak, child, spit out your name and your business here. I haven't got all night to hover around while you tremble and gibber like an idiot. <laughs> For a few moments, Vasilisa's lips quivered so much that no proper words would come out of her mouth. Just a kind of, uh, uh, uh. But then she remembered the doll's words that no harm would come to her, and eventually she found courage to speak clearly. Uh, good ma'am, she said. It is only me, little Valise. Sorry, Vasilisa. My stepmother sent me to the forest to borrow a light from Baba Yaga. Did she now? said Baba Yaga thoughtfully. Well, I am Baba Yaga, but you may call me Babushka. Vasilisa brightened a little at this, for Babushka is a kindly name that means grandma. Baba Yaga went on, Now come with me into my hut. I will give you some simple tasks to do. If you are not lazy and you complete your work like a good girl, then I will give you the light that you ask for and let you go free. But if you do not manage these simple tasks, I shall cook you in my oven and eat you for my dinner. Ha ha ha, she cackled. How do you like that for an offer? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> right? No thanks. Eh, I'm good. <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> To tell you the truth, Vasilika Vilisa did not like it at all, but she had faith that all would be well, that she would complete the tasks and return with the light. So she curtsied and said, I like it well, dear Babushka. And she followed the old lady as she floated back to the door of her hut and called out, Locks unlock. The doors creaked open and then shut again behind Vasilisa as she stepped inside. The hut was surprisingly roomy, but a large part of it was taking up, taken up by a huge oven. Vasilisa had to hold in a scream because the house started to rise up on its chicken legs and move about. She realized that there would be no escape unless Baba Yaga let her go. The witch sat down at the table and gestured to the larder. Fetch me my supper, dear, she said. Yes, Babushka, replied Vasilisa, and she brought over some bread and cheese for the old lady. Ah, well, said Baba Yaga, soon I shall be enjoying a nice plate of roast meat, thinly sliced and pink in the middle. With those words, she pinched Vasilisa's arm. Now tomorrow, my dear, you must complete my little task. When I am away from the hut, you must tidy the yard, clean the hut, and cook pumpkin soup for my supper. Can you manage that? Why, yes, Babushka, I can, said Vasilisa, who was relieved that the task did not sound by any means beyond her ability. <clears throat> that is good, said Baba Yaga, and when you have finished doing that, you can sort out all the kitchen pots and pans. Baba Yaga ate her bread and cheese and drank a tankard of frothy brown ale. <laughs> oh, yeah. Frothy. <laughs> right? Sounds good. Before falling asleep on a thick top of a thick fur, which was strewn above the stove, the warmest place in the hut. The hut continued to move around, and Vasilisa felt queasy. She certainly had no appetite herself, but before she lay down for the night, she did not forget to feed her doll a few crumbs of bread and some drops of milk. 
When the rag doll had finished her supper, Vasilisa asked her, Oh dear, what have I done? How shall I ever get out of here? The doll replied, Have courage and keep faith and all will be well. For Baba Yaga is unable to tell a lie and she is bound to keep her promise. That's good to know. Okay. <laughs> the next morning, Baba Yaga arose from her bed on top of the stove and drank another tankard of ale before flying up the chimney and onto the roof. <laughs> this is just how they did it in the, back in the day. They just woke up and drank beer. <laughs> Um, Vasilisa looked out of the window and saw the witch flying away above the trees, but this time she was riding what looked like a giant mortar. Um, yeah, so mortar and pestle, you can crush all the little herbs in there. <laughs> this is what the witch was flying in, only it was much bigger than a usual mortar. And a giant pestle was what the old lady was holding in her hand and using as a rudder to guide her flight. Vasilisa gazed at the witch until she was out of sight, and then she started to clean and to cook. She managed to get everything spick and span and get the soup on the cooker by midday, but now she faced an impossible task. How could she possibly pick the black peas out of a sack of white ones? Why, there must have been thousands, if not millions of peas in the sack. She heard a noise outside the hut. Oh, Baba Yaga must be back early. Now I'm done for, she exclaimed. But when she looked out of the window, she saw not Baba Yaga, but the white horseman who had overtaken her on the way to the hut. He galloped around the fence of the compound and then was off again into the woods. Vasilisa sighed and wished that he would only come and rescue her, whoever he might be. Then, when she turned around from the window, she saw that all the peas had been sorted into two piles, one black and one white, and her task was done. Damn, bro! Yeah. <laughs> now she just gotta get somebody to make soup. Yeah, like, if you're gonna, like, try and hit on a chick, I mean, doing some of her work for her, that's probably gonna get you a pretty good in. <laughs> She's going to be appreciative. <laughs> that evening, after Baba Yaga flew back home from whatever business she had been on, the old witch could not hide her surprise at all that her guest had managed to achieve uh, the tasks in one day. I see that you are a good little worker, my dear, she said. Well, in that case, tomorrow you can make pea soup and fetch water from the stream to fill up the tank. Here, use this bucket. What she handed to Vasilisa was not a bucket, but a sieve. You know, like a strainer. Hmm. Um, I know, I never say sieve, so I'm always like, what the fuck? Um, but the poor girl wondered how she would ever manage to use it to fetch water. Still that night, when the little rag doll urged her not to feel despair, she knew in her heart that something wonderful might happen to help her. And it did. For as she stood by the stream holding the sieve in her hand, the red horseman rode by, took it from her, and swept over to the hut where he hurled it through the open window. <laughs> Alright. Whoa! <laughs> Just chuck it in through the window. Love it. Yeah, yeah I hope he was like, fuck you! <laughs> or whatever. Um, and when Vasilisa returned, she found that the tank was filled with fresh water. 
So that evening, Baba Yaga dipped her bony finger in the tank and tasted a drop of the fresh water. She said, Indeed, you are a hard-working girl. Let's see if you are clever, too. Tonight, you can stay up and count the number of stars in the sky. If you tell me the right number in the morning, you can take your light and go free. But if your answer is wrong, even if you tell me one star too many or too few, then I shall have you for my breakfast. That night, Vasilisa gazed out of the window at the sky and tried to count the stars. One, two, three, five. But by the time she reached a hundred stars, she was no longer sure whether or not she was counting the same ones again. And she had to start all over again. It did not help that the hut kept moving around so that the view kept on changing. Eventually, Vasilisa began to sob quietly. She took out her doll and said, Oh, dear little doll, who will come to the aid of poor little Vasilisa this time? I cannot guess the number of stars in the sky, and in the morning the witch shall surely eat me. Do not worry, said the doll. Have courage and keep faith, and all will be well. And it was, for at the midnight hour the black horseman came riding up to the window where Vasilisa was sitting, and he whispered a number to her as if in a dream. It was a very big number, but I cannot tell to you what it was, for it is a secret. But it was the exact number of stars in the sky that he told her. And in the morning, when Baba Yaga stepped with her bony legs onto the floor, Vasilisa said, Good morning, Bab Babushka. Shall I tell you the number of stars now? <laughs> Sorry. Baba Yaga yawned and said, Go on, child, tell me, but you'd better not be wrong, for if you are, I shall eat you. Vasilisa told the number to Baba Yaga, who let out a terrible cry, like, Ha! Her eyes blazed like those of the skulls on the fence surrounding her hut. Who told you that? She demanded so fiercely that Vasilisa sank back. Baba Yaga picked up a plate and threw it across the room so that it smashed against the wall. Then she picked up a knife, and Vasilisa was sure she meant to kill her. But Babushka, she said, you promised that if I told you the number correctly that I could take a light and go free. Baba Yaga froze for a moment, and the fierce glare of her eyes lessened somewhat. Ah, uh, yes, she said more calmly. So I did. I suppose it was morning and day that helped you with the other tasks I set you? Vasilisa nodded, for she now understood that the three horsemen were morning, day, and night. Oh, okay. I don't know, but it's cute. <laughs> and then another story, they just like said who they were the first you saw them. And this one, it was kind of more of a secret. <laughs> it was like, oh. But cute. Um, then you are a good girl, said Baba Yaga. For if morning, day, and night choose to help you, that means that your spirit is in harmony with the universe. I will do you no harm. Wait here while I go on my business. I have no tasks for you today. Tonight you shall return home with the light. She must be worthy of the Thor's hammer now. <laughs> <laughs> that evening after Baba Yaga flew home on her mortar, she took Vasilisa out into the courtyard and gave her one of the skulls with blazing eyes. Take this, she said. It will light up your stepmother and your two stepsisters very well. <laughs> <laughs> right? Wah, wah. You know. 
Vasilisa took the skull and returned back down the path to her village. She expected that her stepmother would have found a light by now, but in fact, the house was not lit. Instead, her relatives were sitting in complete darkness. She stepped into the house. The skull lit up the inside as bright as day. I'm home, called out Vasilisa. But she received no reply, for as soon as the light fell on her stepmother and sisters, they turned to dust. Good. Fuck them. <laughs> they burned the fuck up! <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that the first time I read it. <laughs> Vasilisa went to live with a kindly old lady in the village until her father returned from his business. When he came back, he thought that his wife and stepdaughters must have run away. He did not miss them much. He lived happily with his beautiful daughter, Vasilisa, until one day a prince came riding by and caught sight of her. She was the most beautiful girl he had ever seen, and he had no hesitation in asking her to marry him, which she did, and they lived happily ever after. Because <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever got to say that on this podcast. <laughs> I hope they did, <laughs> even though they might not be, like, real, real. <laughs> That's basically the cool thing about her. She, um, they said, is often, like, a catalyst for change in some of the stories without meaning to almost help the her hero or heroine. Like, she's not always trying to help them, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't give them a chance to, to grow <laughs> in her own way. Yeah. And, yeah, she has some definite ones that, like, sound like uh, Grimm's fairy tales, almost. The Grimm brothers, because she has one called the Frog Princess, and there's one called Baba Yaga and the Kind-Hearted Girl. Right? Aww. Right? These sound like Disney movies, do they not? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, I had a little bit about how trickster gods are... You know, not just her. They're kind of cool. And I really like the one from Supernatural. He's, I was yeah. like, tricksters aren't just from Supernatural, but he's so cool. Um, what were you saying? Sorry. Oh, I just said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the actor is so good. Um, and that the trickster interferes with the lives of other deities, humans, and nature. And it's either for reasons of their own or just for funsies. So, <laughs> however unpleasant it might be to interact with them, it basically forces you out of your comfort zone and into a new or heightened state of awareness. So that can be how it's, you know, doing something good, even though it's maybe more of a bad figure, you know? And Loki is another very famous trickster. He is constantly annoying and pranking the gods of Asgard, but also gave them Thor's hammer and Odin's spear. So, he's done them some good, too. <laughs> yeah. And other tricksters in other religions include uh, Coyote from Native American religions, which, honestly, there's a really hilarious Simpsons episode where he eats some really... Homer eats some really spicy chili and then like hallucinates a bunch of coyotes talking to him and stuff <laughs> so even that just made me laugh but um there's also isu in the yoruba religion in west africa and the distant goddess or the eye of ra from egypt 
And the notable Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung believed that it represented the archetype of the shadow. So the dark and unknown aspect of the individual and communal personality usually rejected or suppressed. So trickster can often just represent kind of what we fear in ourselves and all those kind of bad qualities that we try to suppress, I guess. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, And just quickly, you know, the only place I had heard of it before would be called pop culture references like John Wick, where in John Wick he's compared to and called Baba Yaga. But, you know, many argue that that's incorrect because they're just using it as like a, watch out for the evil Baba Yaga, he's going to kill you. You know, so it's kind of like, it's like, yeah, she's been known as evil, but she's also been known as a trickster. So that's not necessarily super evil they're just kind of like more out for themselves (laughs) yeah yeah and there's also a 2017 book called ask ask (laughs) baba yaga otherworldly advice for everyday troubles by taisha kitaiskala and that is the end of my case (laughs) I wonder what kind of problems people ask Baba Yaga. Right? I know, it's like a self-help book that's... Yeah. Maybe it's just, like, for women to be, like, be more assertive. (laughs) Yeah. Because generally, as women, we're, like, less assertive and more agreeable. Like, oh, yeah, we don't need a raise. More worldly, we should be like, yes, we're worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. (sighs) I know. <laughs> so sorry I didn't have more like creatures, but she's still pretty fucking epic. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. Well, next week is ooh more true crime, and we're doing more on the funny side again. That's always yeah. always fun. <laughs> I started looking up some stuff. Did you? you? It's just funny reading lists about stupid things people have done, so. Oh, yes. I mean, when the research is funny, you know it's going to be a good episode. It's like Florida Man crimes. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically going to be Florida Man, except it's just any man anywhere. Or any person anywhere crimes. (laughs) But very Florida Man vibes. That's right. That's right. Stupid people crimes. (laughs) Stupid people, stupid places. Stupid crimes. Who doesn't love a stupid criminal? They always get themselves caught in the most creative of ways. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, we'll catch you then next week for the true crime time. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And yes. Keep it cryptic. has been castles and cryptids you can listen to our podcast on spotify apple podcast google podcast anchor breaker pocket cast and our youtube channel 
please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. On our website, you can listen to all of our episodes as well as view pictures for each of our segments. Check out our Patreon page to view all of our tiers and become a Patreon supporter today to unlock monthly bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes content. We are working on an Ask Us Anything. You can submit questions by social media or by email at castlesencryptids at gmail.com. Do you have a spooky ghost story, a creepy cryptid sighting, or a thrilling true crime tale you would like to share and have us include in a future episode? Send us your listener story by social media or by email. Please include the name that you would like mentioned. Our music is by Kobe Fair. Our logo and artwork is by Antonio Garcia. Thanks for listening!